0: Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Hagty Today, I'm joined by Cliff Wild. He is a peak performance coach, helps athletes, help top-level entrepreneurs, all-round good guy. How are you doing today, Cliff? Good, my friend. Very upbeat. Good man. I'm glad to hear that. So, first question that I ask every single guest is, just give me an overview of what you do.
1: Essentially, um, me and my wife, Marta. We came up with a method called the ARA method, which stands for Awareness, Responsibility, Action. It essentially we work with high performers who essentially compromise mental, physical health for success. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to put it.
0: Nice. How are you determining, How are you classifying high performance? Because I feel like that tagline goes around like "there's yeah. no tomorrow." Uh, so yeah, I yeah. Like some people could get confused about: Are they high level? Are they not? Are they? Yeah. Well, I'd say
1: like our clientels are. We have like national champions, Olympians some of the top execs in some of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. Like the people that are at the top of their games, like looking for an edge, if that makes sense, but their health yeah. is kind of holding them back.
0: Got you. So how did you get into this? Because I'm sure you don't just wake up one day and go, hey, I've <laughs> discovered this method and I'm going to go yeah. coach on athletes. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, well, I can give you the the short version because we'd be here forever otherwise. <laughs> but essentially, as with most people, there's generally a personal journey behind it all right Sure. So mine's no different. I won't spare you the rags to riches story and all that jazz. Um, but essentially, I was born with um, a severe dysfunction in my spine, uh, scoliosis and kyphosis. Wow. So like a 64 degrees curve my spine. So I had like three major operations before I was three. Uh, when I was 15, I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis, 17, a brain tumor, 18, meningitis, um, and then a few other things after that. And I kind of... I went round the whole wheel of Western medicine for quite a long time till my early twenties, uh, and it didn't really help. And so, come 2009, I essentially decided to leave finance, which was the job I was in at the time, mm-hmm. um, and retrained. So, I started in PT, went to nutrition, nutritional therapy, functional medicine, biochemistry, naturopathy—you name it. Generally, studied across those spectrums. Incredible. And kind of landed up
0: 11 years later doing this stuff. <laughs> So it wasn't something that you just stumbled across then. This was a, no. I don't want to say forced move, but it was yep. almost destiny for you to start questioning this stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I genuinely think, like, most of us have, whether you call it purpose or a path or whatever you want to call it, like, mm-hmm. I think you get to a point where you just know, like, I was in finance and I could do the job and I was earning good money. I had a flash sports car and a house quite young in my 20s and stuff like this, but, like, I was just empty. Like, yeah. everything about it was just a shit existence. Um, so, you know, I was, like, freestone overweight. I was just drinking five times a week, recreational
0: mm-hmm. drugs. Like, it was pretty rank when it's I was really back on it. story that you probably, yeah. anyone, if you walk, just hang around Canary Wharf, I'm sure, uh, that story is just in so many people's lives. Yeah. But you're kind of, you're kind of caught in a bit of a vicious cycle, right?
1: Because the money pays for the habit. The yeah. habit numbs the stuff that you don't really like. And you kind mm-hmm. of go round. So, yeah, I just kind of got to a breaking point in 2009. I was kind of aided because the company we were in were getting bought out. So I suppose I was at that kind of juncture to make that yeah. decision.
0: Amazing. And how long have you been doing the leadership coaching side of things?
1: Um, so it started 2009, but the this company was 2012. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we kind of evolved it a bit and changed. And 2012 is essentially where we've kind of been helping the people we have. Yeah.
0: Great. And for you, when you start working with someone, what's like the obvious flags that you see and you think, oh my God, this is going to be an amazing client that's going to go through some really cool stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, There's two things that make any clients. When you work with people that are are generally decision makers or higher performers, they have like, they have a way about them where they hold themselves to a different level of standards, what most people do. Yeah. And it frustrates the shit out of them when they don't have the answer to something. So, they generally, when they embark on a journey, they'll be brilliant students. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the thing is, that's the typical kind of thing that comes to us. And if we get someone who shows up at our door like that, then we know that person will get results because we just have enough ways of testing them, finding and creating bespoke things for them to make sure that they progress. Obviously, Mm -hmm. progression is not always linear. So, it's not always quick, but we'll be able to get them the answers they're looking for for sure. But generally, that the underlying knowing that there's an answer but they just don't have it. And they're willing to ask someone in order to find the answer is generally the best
0: clients. Yeah. And the obvious question for me is, is why is this important to you? Like, why do you get up every single morning and pursue this mission and journey for yourself? Yeah. Well,
1: I think the easiest way to answer it is that we like to be the facilitators to the super gifted. Like Mm. we've been very fortunate to help people that have been in, very tricky health um positions and i could name them on here and you'd know all they all all they are and who they are but the thing is with it is that these people some of them didn't even know if they could carry on their career Mm -hmm. but these people had such a powerful message they were so gifted that if you could help them find their peak performance again their state fix their physical body their mental health whatever it might be you knew they were going to go on to do amazing things so like for us it's It's more about we get up to influence the people who just have these ginormous ripple effects if that makes sense yeah and then we're happy to work within the pond of the people that we work with and they have amazing effects you see what i mean like one of our guys who's one of the best cyclists in the world who's you know when he came to us three years ago as a client his performance was like decreasing two and a half percent a year and as a pro cyclist that's pretty bad and so like last year he won national champion this year he won national champion and it's part and parcel of him having answers and him now being able to you know show up for the team he's now a massive support for the whole team rather than he is just his own personal success he can support in tour de france better and all this kind of stuff do you see what i mean so it's it's a wider perspective of how you can help
0: people it's like what you just said the ripple effect is the perfect explanation for that Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that's something that people don't realize when they go through personal transformations It's the, what's going to happen around you? What's, you know, what's the dead weight that you're getting rid of? What are you then making room for? All these other Mm -hmm. areas. Um, How have you managed from going from that sort of unhappy financial corporate career that, like we said, is so common to living this life you have now? Were there any hurdles that you had to overcome to get through that transition? (laughs) yeah and yeah like maybe what one million two hundred forty-seven thousand
1: of them like that's I quite hate a low when... number actually yeah i know yeah for most entrepreneurs that'd probably be in the low numbers um i honestly like it, it does my head in when people paint these stories where it's just like
0: yeah it was this linear thing and it yeah. was good like, i left yeah. on, Friday on the monday i had 10 clients and i was living my best life yeah exactly yeah fuck off
1: um <laughs> and uh it's just yeah it doesn't night. Like, honestly like we've had times where we've had 30 or grand sitting on credit cards, we've made investments and you didn't know how you were going to pay them, but you knew it was the right thing and you knew, you know, it's benefiting you, we had high stress, long days, mm. you know, so many times question ourselves, self doubt issues. I think like just anyone, any normal that, person gets, right? What brought you through
0: that? When you had, you know, when you had those question, self questioning, yeah. like every entrepreneur goes for every business yeah. owner, every person Let like really, let's face it. How did you guys look at, I I mean, it's great that you had that support of your your wife, but how did you both sit there at the end of the day and be like, okay, we're going to do this, you know, making sure that you're consistently looking at that end goal, bigger vision? I
1: think, I think there's two things. One is resilience. So like you build a level of resilience, like with how we work with clients, we tell them mental resilience is enough. You have to have mental, physical resilience together, otherwise they'll inhibit Mm -hmm. the other. So I think a level of resilience is important and you can only get that for experience. So I think the thing is, with all the illnesses and everything that I'd had when I was younger, I think they led me to a level of resilience where I was like, well, if I've got no money compared to nearly dying like three times in my life, like, yeah. well, it's all right. I could find more money, right? Does that make sense? So I think yeah. that's part perspective. of it. Yeah, and it is perspective. And I think the other part of it was the results we were getting with people quite early on. Mm. Like we had people that had been suffering 10, 15 years with autoimmune diseases and, you know, skin issues, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, And within three or six months, they were making pretty drastic turnarounds. Yeah, And so we knew we were onto something. But the problem is, you know, you're not taught how to network, how to connect with people or how to, you know, be of value or anything like this, right? You have to learn all of that stuff. Mm. You know, in the world we live in now, everyone's got, you know, chronic levels of social anxiety. like people when i say to people like just message people just ask them how they are like they're like but what do you say I'm like just <laughs> you, just be a just those three words like, how are you yeah you know? yeah just, just be a human open a conversation but it's just amazing how i think disconnects we've come so i think those two things the resilience yeah. and the results we were getting like helped us even in the darkest moments like, i said to myself i'm like i think the question i asked myself was could i ever see myself being employed by someone else anymore
0: mm.
1: and it was always a no so i was just yeah. like okay well i've got to carry on somehow
0: the, all the best entrepreneurs are unemployable i think
1: yeah or could be but
0: they would hate it like yeah. it'd be just and they'd the be first, terribly first into the office you'll just be like nah i don't want to do this uh, mm-hmm. you know i've had some jobs in my time and I, it was always the biggest motivation whenever i got into that office to leave that office and do what i wanted to do um, Yeah. But sometimes you got to do that things, you know. You got to, of um, got to go and do what you ha- don't want to do sometimes, which is life. Uh for I, you, I remember, a, I remember a time in 2015, like it got so bad
1: at one point. I went and like looked in ASDA. For, oh no, 2014. I went in to look in ASDA for like an application to like stock shelves at night or something. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, Martha said to me, my wife, she was like, "What are you doing?" She was like, "It's nothing wrong with stacking shelves." Like, if we need the no. money, you do it. But she was like are you just that deluded about how much you can't do for someone that, you know, that would be your choice. And yeah. that was really, I suppose a bit of a slap in the face. And I was like, yeah, actually yeah, I'm probably getting this, I'm putting my attention to the wrong areas. Makes sense.
0: It's a bit of imposter syndrome as well. When you do that. It's, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Just, like you said, nothing wrong with sh- stacking shells, but is that eight pound, nine pound, 10 pounds now going to solve what you're looking for. It's going to no, solve the sure. It's not. Uh, it's just but it helps you kind of well. just, like
1: fall into that playing small kind of Mm. fitting within a, you know, big fish, small pond
0: kind of scenario. Massively. Anyway, green wouldn't have suited you. So, you know, good (laughs) thing you turned around from Asda. Uh, Let's talk about something that you you brushed upon there, but you know, the difference of anxiety nowadays compared to probably when you started 10 years ago, you you know, Facebook was, I think, just coming out or just come out 10 years ago. I can't remember how old Mm -hmm. it is now. yeah. Uh, yeah. 2005, I think maybe. Uh, yeah. So there's so many things that weren't around 10, 5, even 5 years ago. Uh, I'd probably say even like 3 years ago, to be honest. How yep. have you seen that difference in people and the problems and anxiety issues that they're coming up and how they're dealing with things?
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose we have, we have two levels of clients. So we have like more entry-level clients where it's more education and we mm-hmm. help them understand the body, the mind, all this kind of stuff. So they, they probably fall more in the reactive side of nature, if that makes sense, because they're still yeah. on that real learning journey. And then on the other side of clientele, like our one-to-one guys, they've kind of learned that stuff as they go, but they're still, they're very leveraged because of if they're a CEO or they've got a lot of weight on their shoulders, right? So yeah. stress is stress is stress is stress, as I call it to people. So from a biological point of view, it's no different in the body. It affects people the same. Just our perception of it is different. But yeah. what we're seeing nowadays is that, Um, you have a system called the dopamine reward system, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is associated to pretty much every addiction known to man. So whether it's cocaine or whether it's sugar or whether it's nicotine or whether it's alcohol, all of these things can hit this dopamine reward system. And so I won't get too deep into neurotransmitters because it'll bore everyone to sleep, but essentially we're kind of these dopamine junkies nowadays. We're constantly looking to be alert and awake But what people forget is dopamine is a a stress neurotransmitter. So along with dopamine comes things like adrenaline and cortisol and stuff like this as well. The problem is with that is that if you push that pathway too hard with things like coffee or stimulants, you'll starve yourself of serotonin. And serotonin is the neurotransmitter that will make you feel content. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see very few uh, entrepreneurs or high performers that are content. Because they're constantly going to the edge and trying to find their edge. And so for me, like the most important part of it is making them understand that that is a cycle. Yeah. And that it's a cyclical thing. So, you you know, Facebook have whole sections to try and get your attention, right? To make you keep scrolling. And so the thing is with it, we know there was a study done on Facebook and it showed basically the more you logged into the app, the more anxious you would be. Yeah. So the thing is with it, that's good for them because anxious people will buy stuff because they're in fear Mm -hmm. because they're emotionally buying. Right. So the thing is with it, it's perfect for them. But I think what people need to understand is that nowadays you're exposed to so many things that are trying to hijack your attention. It's very difficult to stay focused and how many people struggle with focus. Right.
0: Yeah. it's it's so common. Uh, Question in terms of like the Facebook, right? Because you see so many people worried about Facebook and, and I think any level, you know, the top, top level people are probably staying away from it. The entry level people are probably trying to use it in a better way. But Mm -hmm. do you think they, when they first started out Facebook, and this is just a really random question, but do you think when they first started out, they went with the intention to get people addicted to it?
1: No, not a chance. No, I don't think so.
0: They just thought people are getting addicted to it. Let's give them what they want.
1: I think what happened, you know, I I think um, if you read around, like I've read a lot around someone like Mark Zuckerberg, Mm -hmm. And like everybody talks about in his younger years, his naivety, yeah, like of just how clever he was and had these ideas and pioneering, but how naive he was to how the platform could potentially impact people. Because mm-hmm. if you look at what he did in um, his first VR, which was around dating and rating girls and all this kind of stuff, right, yeah. with the brothers, you know, like I had no idea. Right, I just thought it was a joke. But the thing is with it is because he's so left-brained, he's so analytical, the emotional creative side of his brain isn't processing any ramification. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So I don't think, I don't think, I think we live in a very sad world if we think most people have alternative motives to most things.
0: Agreed.
1: You know what I mean? So I don't think it started that way, but I think as it grew and as they started working out what got people's attention, you know, he's not the person making all the decisions anymore, right? No. So You know, at the end of the day, I think that's probably what's influencing
0: it. Mm. Excellent. So let's talk about leadership and how I think, especially in times right now, people are looking for leadership. uh, They're wanting to be better leaders, even CEOs. They're thinking, right, how can we handle our people better? How can we speak to the public better? For you, what are some of the the obvious things that leaderships leadership people in leadership roles often miss when it comes to being that good leader and connecting with their customer, with their staff, whatever whoever it is,
1: I think it's two things. I think one is self care.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like self care is uh, the number one thing we work on people with leadership because you can't lead if you're not an example of how it can be. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, so I think it's very hard to lead when you're not that example. And the second thing is communication. Like I don't think we're taught how to communicate properly. A lot of people end up in leadership roles because they've been at a certain place for a certain period of time and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. They're not taught management styles, communication styles, how to, you know, bring people in to create more of a culture than they are yeah. just a, you know, a way of just communicating, do this, do that, do this. Do you see what I mean? So I think yeah. between the self-care, which is really a lacking area and the communication, which is another ma- massive lacking area because it's, you know, it's, it's very easy to get power hungry without even realizing, you know, when I was like 21, 22, and I was, you know, managing like five branches and 50 odd people, you know, I was complete asshole to people. Do you see what I mean? But I was just this kid. I had no emotional intelligence, really. Mm. Do you see what I mean? I just thought, well, I'm yeah, everyone hated me. Right. So the thing is with it is that, you know, do you going to go to a job that you enjoy where everyone hates you? Of course you're not. So mm. the thing is with it, I think there's a line. You need to know where the level of respect is for someone's skill. So if there's the leader in place, you need to respect their skill and their decision, but you don't always have to agree with it. Do you see yeah. what I mean? And you should be okay with, and there should be an open forum that people can go and essentially be in a position where they can have a discussion about stuff. You know, you can see companies like Ernst & Young. Um, they have, of in Sweden this is, they have um, once a month, they get their top c suite And they meet up for an hour and they're allowed to talk about anything personal. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with business.
0: Just literally allowed
1: to get everything out on the table. Yeah. Because what they're realizing is, you know, you can't separate personal from professional as much as you try. If you've got shit going on at home, it's going to fog your brain and you're going to bring it into the office, Mm -hmm. your decisions, all this kind of stuff. So what they found as a proactive thing was to be able to bring people to just so everyone knew it was on the table. They weren't there to moan or anything like this. They just they knew where the playing field was. So then they could help be proactive and all those kinds of sides. I think you're seeing that in companies now. It's, it's still not very present in high corporate stuff because they're still quite archaic. Yeah. But, you know, in smaller companies, they're a little bit more
0: nimble. You're seeing a lot more of that leadership mm. stuff. Even the way that leaders set themselves up in the culture of the office, you know yep. it, it's removed itself from having that big scary office at the end of the hall that's the ceo's office to yep. oh no that's the ceo in the corner sitting in the same desk everyone else sits uh, it makes huge differences and i think i've said it a couple of times on the podcast so far but i think the change is really actually coming from the low level side of people because then they're, they're yep. knowing what they want to work in the environment that they want to work in so the leaders have to reflect those needs yep. and desires um yeah Listen how in terms of you know uh mental and physical performance do you think that this lockdown at the moment is allowing people to internally digest more things and make better changes in their life because for some people this is the first time that they've stayed at home for longer than a week in mm-hmm. years without you know yeah. thinking about going on holiday or anything like I'd I'd love to be the eternal op- optimist about this um,
1: but the numbers. I'm a stat guy, right? I love mm-hmm. biochemistry and numbers and all this kind of stuff. You only have to look at the number of calls to domestic abuse lines, to mm-hmm. alcohol lines, to suicide lines to know that people are not dealing with this well on the no. whole. To see what I mean, I'd love to be like, oh yeah, everyone's you know shaved their head, got their orange robe, and just humming, <laughs> you know, on their <laughs> meditation cushion. It would
0: be weird if everyone was doing that. Let's face
1: yeah, it. Yeah, wouldn't it? Just we just all got ourselves a little rock, right? A little yeah. cave to, learn to live in. Amazon gives um, everyone a little rock. <laughs> yeah, they would love it, right? They'd sell any shit. Yeah. um So fair play to them. And um the thing is, I just feel like the I always say to people, uh, we spoke about it within our community. as I said, look, the time for the time for um consuming content is over. Like this mm-hmm. is practice. Like you have to physically be doing it now. And I think. The people that have been putting the work in for the last year two years whatever it might be they're going to find this period infinitely easier mm-hmm. than the people that are you know and that's not about money like you know i know people that have got nothing in the bank but for instance they've got their head in shape and their body's in good shape mm-hmm. and so they are less in the place of fear so they can take action every day to put money in the bank yeah. you know I, some of the most fearful people i've seen so far are multi multi-millionaires that i've seen in our arena yeah but do you, and, think,
0: uh, do you think that could just be because they've been forced to stop? They've been forced to change?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, one thing we know about humans is they love to think they control more than what they generally do, right? Yeah. So when, you know, when Big Brother comes along and says, oh, you can't leave your house now, or you can, but for 30 minutes, yeah. all of a sudden, like, it's like that little child inside us goes, you know, fuck you, like, you know, I'm not doing this. Do you see what yeah. I mean? That's why you right, see like yeah. the house out. Yeah,
0: so totally yeah listen cliff uh words of wisdom from you so far which is amazing but i would love to finish up and ask you which is something i ask every single guest but if you could give three tips to that high level leader that may be struggling right now um Mm -hmm. to sort of lead their team and be that leader that they know they are what would those three tips be to help them sort of get back into gear and show up and be that person okay So
1: first one, which seems uh, not so potent, but it really works well, is that I would do an anxieties list with everybody. So basically, you get a piece of paper and write every single anxiety that pops into your mind out. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is with it, the mind is an incredible, powerful mechanism, either for you or against you. And so the thing is, if you're feeling very stressed and overwhelmed by the situation right now, 80% 80% in what's in your head is bullshit. It's not going to happen. But the thing is with it, the more you let it ruminate, the thoughts ruminate, the more you're going to start creating actions and things towards that problem, right? Yeah. So I think like having a, an anxieties list is uh, clearing out your mind. And just by retrospect to putting it on paper, you can see how much is relevant or not at the time. And what I ask people to do is write all the stuff and identify a pattern. So you'll see a pattern in your thoughts of where it's leading. So that's the first thing. Brilliant. Um the second thing would be to have a plan in some way like the way we do it with our guys you know is to have a seven day a 30 day a 90 day plan and we don't go any further than that with most people because they're pretty shit with plans longer than that because things change pretty quickly in the world like you know if this was in your year plan then wow you'd have been a miracle right so (laughs) the thing is um having that plan the seven day plan is just everything you have to get done that week everything else goes into 30 days and then your 30 days is obviously some key things. It might be turnover. It might be sales. It might be self-care, whatever it might be. And then 90 days is obviously more projections for quarters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is, is around self-care and help, like making sure there's good sleep hygiene, good, you know, just food hygiene, making sure people are moving their body, like especially with a virus. You know, the primary way your body's going to deal with a virus at this moment in time is via your lymphatic system. And lymphatic system can only be moved if you move. Mm. So the thing is with it, your adaptive immune system, the B and the T cells, they're going to work in that lymphatic system. So if you don't move your body, the likelihood of exposure and then having more ill effects is
0: ginormous compared to someone who does move their body. Yeah. Amazing. S- like you said, simple things, but will m- work wonders. And yep. I think people overlook the simp- sim- simplicity of like self-care, of help and being and stepping up to that plate uh, often. So I think there's so much content out there that tries to overcomplicate it that yep. actually if you just strip it back, it's like, look, just do these simple things and you're, you're going to get through this. You're going to be all right. Yeah. I especially love point number one, you know, write down anxieties, get your team to write down anxieties because it all starts with communication right with yourself yep. and with others so that's all that's a brilliant one thank you so much for that for cliff yeah Listen, Cliff. Yeah. if anyone wants to get in touch with you speak to you directly about what you do what is the best way for them to get in touch with you um
1: well there's there's uh, two ways so we have a, a free community on facebook um it's called the ara method um by Cliff and and that is generally a, a community that's all free. We generally put hours of content, live streams, all that kind of stuff in there. And we've literally just um we're just polishing up a 30 page 10 12,000 word guide that's completely wow. free. Literally how to essentially navigate this time physically and mentally. Um and that will be put in that group so if anyone wants access to that the morning welcome.
0: Excellent. Cliff, thank you so much for coming on. You've been a star. I have really loved this chat. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you and Marta get up to and we'll go from there. Thank you so much, for Cliff, for being on.
1: Cheers, my friend. Thank you.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. It's been Founders 365.